This is episode 74 of the Break 80 podcast. Stouts here joined by the Break 80 boys, Mike and Tim. Happy Halloween to all that celebrate. Let's start with a little uh, Halloween costume frenzy. All right. Now, it does not need to be technically all golf related things, but I just want to know some as we get in the, the, the spirit of the week and, and what and, and pretty much it is not a very cool uh, holiday in my opinion, but what are some golf, non-golf costumes that, uh, that kind of get you going? I got one, two, uh, five, five golf costumes. I'll go, I'll go first with one of them. This is a two person thing. You have to have two people. Um, one of which is just dressed up like a golfer. You might want to put a beard on your face, you know, and maybe it'd be a he- the heftier person be this be this person. And the other one is set up. You, you got to get a box of some sort, and you're going to be a porta john, you know, a portable toilet. And one of you will be John Rom, and then the other one will be a toilet. So you always have the toilet right next to John Rom, since he complains about that every time at the at, at multiple tournaments, including the Masters. Actually. That reminded me. There's this really, I don't know if you guys, Tim, you saw this on my my personal Instagram, but this dude had a was dressed as a porta potty, and it says, you know, you open up the door, and and it's him. He's sitting there texting. His legs are obviously through, but he's got the mini legs that are sitting on the toilet, and it's so good. You open it up, and he's just like. Whoa, what are you doing here? He's got the toilet paper coming down. <laughs> nice. oh, it's so money. It's like that, you know, it's like all those costumes that you can't tell the legs because, you know, the human legs are out, but they've got fake legs that make it look really funny. But that's what <laughs> it reminded me of. That's a good one. Tim, do you got any? I mean, I I think the the easiest one to do is just go out and buy buy an old Call of Duty sweatshirt throw that thing on with a, a little compression sleeve on the uh on the leg tiger. little tiger woods um and then for for a little extra effect you know go rip off a bumper from your local porsche and hold that around some remnants of a car and and You'd have to uh, look really old because tiger looks a suspended old. license <laughs> i was thinking about going as tim corlett and just not showing up Oh yeah, just not show. Or here we go. Or 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 you got to get yourself a shots pair of, fired. You got to get yourself a pair of really short, a really short um, joggers. You know, really short and tight. And then maybe you might need. Some, we might need some streamers to put this together and some cable. And then coming out of with a golf club, you'd have a red shot tracer always coming out of the, out of the that's because that's all they ever see from tim on social media is shot tracers just that's all it is it's just streams going right just big, just big cutter streams you know that, that go away right <laughs> oh i'm sorry boys what would yours be mike showing up with no warm-up yeah just hot off the cart with unmatching clothes i could i could be the polar opposite of jeff that he's then he's pouting because of no warm-up <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll have ripped pants. Jeff, Jeff will be pouting, and we'll be wearing unmatching colors. Yeah, self dialogue. You know, talking to each other, to myself. Oh yeah, it's it's just one big thought bubble. You got some more because I have a bunch more here. Well, I got one that I thought I, I don't. Maybe you guys can help me with how you could do this, but I really thought it'd be really creative to go as the cut line. How could you go as the cut line? Mm-hmm. The cut line. 
I mean, I just as a part of golf, that would be that would be kind of a fun way to somehow do a do the cut line. I don't know how you could do it, but I you feel could, like you could do a leaderboard with a big pair of scissors, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Or you could just have a line across your body, and then like um, like Stephen Bowditch or like who guys that don't make the cut, just like their names below the line. Who else never makes the cut? Oh, there's a lot of guys that don't make the cut out. I mean, like you got. Uh... Spencer All the old guys, you know, like JJ Henry, who's always out there missing yeah, cuts. And, Henry. I mean, there's there's a couple of low hanging. There's a, there's some really low hanging fruit ones. Like you just put, you just put golf clothes on and then soak yourself in water and be Lucas Glover. You know, just swamp ass, just just <laughs> totally, totally soaked. Yeah, you know, just just sweating your ass off. That's one. I got one. Um, just wear a, a UPS costume and go as Adam Scott. Mm-hmm. Yep. Here's a couple. Yep. You get yourself a bucket hat and then you got to put like a shoe in your mouth. And then you go as Peter Melnati a few weeks ago. And when, when, uh, when he said that Lexi was just a sideshow and then she beat him by six shots at Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> but I got, how about this one? You go, you, you get your USA hat, you get your USA outfit on, you know, just a normal golf attire with your USA hat. And maybe you slowly walk up to the door. You're, you go, you, you slow play this. And then if they don't, when the candy comes out, if they don't have a hundred grand, which by the way is an underrated candy, then you take your hat off and protest because <laughs> because they didn't have the hundred grand in there. They don't have the money for that'd you. Be the, that'd be the Patrick Cantley. Well, I think uh, I think Mike, you'd make an excellent large trophy. You can be you can be the U.S. Open Cup, and I'll put my glove on the wrong hand, so I'm a lefty, and and try to chase you the entire night, never succeeding like <laughs> Phil. Yeah. How about this one? You get a gorilla suit. So you're just hairy <laughs> as fuck. Okay. But then you chop off the head and you get a, and you get a bald mat, you know, almost bald things for your hair, but you got to have a two-tone tan line. And then you go to Stuart Sink. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. if you remember that Ryder Cup Ruthless. picture where he was just hairy as hell with his gigantic calves and stuff. <laughs> I feel like there's some way you can go as, jo- go as Joey LaCava too. Like there's got to oh, be yeah. some way you can string that one out. There's lots of them. I mean, this this one is the opposite of the trick or treater. If you want to do, if you want you you, this would be the person at home. Okay, you might want to get in your red, white, and blue. You didn't prepare yourself at all. You know, all the analytics say Reese's and Snickers and Skittles and Starburst and all these things, but you didn't prepare yourself at all. So you have to go the last day before, and all that's left is the shitty almond joys and the. And the good and plenty's and all the crap that nobody wants because you're not prepared, and then you could be Zach Johnson. Oh. <laughs> oh. Just a disappointment to everybody that shows up. <laughs> well, well, no, but you but you had to plan it for a year. You had two years to plan. You had a year to plan, but you came up with nothing. You had nothing at the end of the day. You had your almond joys and your and and your freaking uh, candy corns and shit that nobody wants. Yeah, I'm trying to think of. Uh... Somehow going to Spieth and Thomas and just not working, like something not working, whether the light <laughs> will go off or go, go on or something's just not right. I mean, there's always John Daly, always John Daly. You get the loudest clothing you can and you show up, you take off your hat and in that hat is just, it's full of change for the, uh, the quarter slots all night, just banging out the quarter slots. <laughs> I think... Well, I don't have a, actually, here's my, my other thing was this, like, I want to share, you know, there's, there's costumes, and there's golf costumes. I think golf, you know, obviously anything from Happy Gilmore, I'm always a big fan of that. Like anything that you can 
can do from Happy Gilmore is always a good is always a good costume. I was a big fan. My this shout out to my cousin. He was once the the shower from the Karate Kid. I thought that was a great mm-hmm. costume. That's you know, classic. big Karate Kid fan. In fact, I just watched it the other day. Um. Yeah, the scene where he's got the shower at the Halloween costume, and then and then uh, Johnny and the boys chase him down. That's one of the most epic scenes of my of my childhood. You know, as as two dads, I think you all are really missing out on something here, right? Because I I'm not sure if you're both having to go trick or treating tomorrow or not, but you could both operate as caddies and take your your percentage of earnings. You know, you bring the bag, you're scouting out the best houses, giving the kid a read. When's the best time? What are you looking for in the in the bowl? You know. That kind of uh, thing, and then you take a, a percentage cut of those earnings at the end. It would, mine would definitely be more than ten percent for sure, and uh, <laughs> so I like, I like candy. It'd be more like Britney Spears conser- parent. Uh, what's it? A conservatism or whatever, where they run everything. I, the kid would get ten percent, and I'd get ninety percent of, of the candy. <laughs> My kids would treat me like Matt Kuchar and his caddy. They wouldn't give me nothing. Yeah, or like Spieth, <laughs> that just bitch at you all day. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. It's this like I think Mike, you've touched on this. It's not. I mean, for parents, it sucks. Like even today, I show up at home. I, by the way, I'm supposed to be on voice or on, on load management with my voice right now. It's just been overused all day, every day. I'm coaching three basketball teams. I get home for my second practice, and my wife is doing all the work on trying to carve these damn pumpkins. You know, it's last minute. Kids aren't strong enough to even dig everything out of there. They're not creative to actually carve a nice design in there. So she's doing all the work. It's way more work for parents than anything else. And then the cleanup on all that, you know, you got to get all the newspapers out. You got to do all, you know, you got to get the light in there. You got to check it. And so anyways, it's just a lot of work. And it's really like for parents, then you get all this candy, not to mention when they get 10 pounds of candy, there's no way you can actually like as a family eat all of it. And kids should not be eating the candy that they have because they can't go to sleep and then they get moody. And so, and then I end up eating half of it, which is not good for my health. So there's just not a lot of positives in this, in this, uh, it's a very overrated holiday. Holiday. I agree. Incredibly overrated. Sounds like the kids need to get back to work. Yep. Old nineteen, old nineteen teen style before the child labor laws. They would have known how to dig out a pumpkin back then. Mm-hmm. So, because I'm on voice management, I'm gonna have Mike kind of run the show tonight. I'm I'm gonna kind of go off of his. Um, he's gonna direct us tonight, Tim. We're gonna be the co-pilots. Yeah, it'll probably be kind of short anyway tonight. There's not a lot going on in the golf world right now. Um, but okay, let's start with some happenings in golf. Um. I think the big thing that the coolest tournament this week was the Asia Pacific Amateur because it was just because it was played at Royal Melbourne, uh, which is uh, if you if you're not familiar, go on like YouTube and look up Royal Melbourne. It's like top ten course in the world. It's amazing. Sandbelt golf, so it's kind of linksy. Um, and uh, and there's a lot on the line in that tournament. The winner, I believe it was, his name was Jasper. Jasper Stubbs. He gets to play in the Masters and the Open next year. Um. So there'll be a Jasper in Augusta. That's kind of a fitting name for the South, for the South. Actually, ironically, he's Australian. Um, but if you, you know, more so the course is the star there because uh, it's a, one of the all time, you know, greatest courses in the world 
uh, Sandbelt Golf at its finest. And it was not playing long, but nobody was under par for the tournament. You know, it's because it has that. Um, it's a perfect example of why you don't need a bunch of trees and stuff in length to make a golf course hard, mainly because of the turf conditions. But, you know, you had players who were, um, there was one hole. I, I just watched a little bit of it. And then I watched the highlights. There's one hole. Kimmer, what it was like number five or something where you're watching some of these best amateurs in the world hitting wedges into this hole, but they, they know if they go long, they're screwed. Cause it's firm. It'll bounce over the green. And then if they go sh- come, come up short, it rolls back like 50 yards down a hill. So they're having to hit to this precise little area and play the bounce. And it, it's just fun to watch. Uh, and the golf course is spectacular. It's the one that the president's cup was on it in 2000, like 19 when tiger would just put on a clinic in like uh golf course strategy in a singles match against Abraham answer. Uh, so that's what, you know, that was, that was a kind of a big story in golf. Cause the other ones were DP world tour, which my boy, Sammy Valamaki or whatever his name is, did win from Finland. But um, that's kind of it for big tournaments. I guess um, in women's golf, Celine Boutier won again for like the fourth time this year, nine hole playoff. Did you guys see oh. that? Oh the, uh, man. The other gal, I can't remember the name birdied like three of the last four to force this playoff. This, this, she's put on a heater and then um, they had like an hour rain delay and then played a nine hole playoff before Boutier finally won on the ninth playoff hole, uh, which is crazy. Finish it. How much daylight do they have? I don't know. I suppose they play. I mean, I'm sure they final round. They started somewhat early. Um, they did finish though. Yeah. I can't remember if she birdied less or, or part or whatever, but she won for the fourth time this year. So I'm guessing she'll be player of the year, two majors. Um, how was, uh, how was coverage at Royal Melbourne? Because that is, they cut the pads. I, anytime they have, you've got a, a bunker complex next to a green and they cut right through the pad directly down into the bunker. Things are rolling. You can cut sweet. one right off. Yeah, they uh, it was decent coverage. I didn't watch, you know, it was it was with the time change. It was overnight. You know, it's in the middle of the night. I, I caught a little bit of it here and there. But if you look at highlights. They have, though, I mean, Royal Melbourne, if you look at it, they have some of the pads like cut right off the fairways, too. I mean, it just rolls mm-hmm. right into bunkers. It's awesome. It's unbelievable. Uh, just that absolute masterpiece of golf course architecture right there. And they took the best. Yeah, thank of, you, like, Mackenzie. Yeah, that's a good Mackenzie one. They took the best of like both courses and they did a composite 18 holes they didn't use one or the other they took a whole bunch of holes from both courses so that was pretty sick too but there's not a lot going on in the world of golf right now um the one interesting thing is live is having a they announced they're having a um like a qualifying or a i guess another like a tryout but a qualifying tournaments because they need to add four golfers because four of them got demoted Chase Kepka, uh, Brooks couldn't hold on to him for another year. Uh, C1, we've talked about that in the pod two weeks ago, how that how he somehow made the cut at the PGA Championship but couldn't make it and live. Um, who else was there? Who were the other two that left? Uh, Piot, I think, James Piot mm-hmm. and uh, Jed, Jed Morgan. Those are the four. Because it should have been, I think Keimer and Westwood run the, were right on the edge, but they're captains. So I guess captains don't can't be out of the league somehow even if they suck. So I thought we, we we could maybe if if Liv is looking for players and you could take any golfers in professional golf in the world and make a team, you know, give them a team name and everything. 
Uh, who could you come up with? I have two. How many did you guys come up with? I, I have one team to end them all. Oh. I got one team of four guys, right? Yeah. I'll do my first one first, and I'll do my second one later. My first one starts with Charlie Hoffman. And he's the captain because he's always Jesus. he's the captain. What has he I, been up to? Just hang on. Then he's got. Then I, but then he's follow. His team has the big dogs: Rory, Jordan Spieth, and Francesco Molinari. And we're going to title this team "Masters of Disaster" from Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's either Charlie Hoffman who's always in the leaderboard to start, and then a bunch of guys who have just folded in the last decade at Augusta. Masters of Disaster. I love it. <laughs> you make me want to think of like an all prison team right now <laughs> yeah exactly that's, that's <laughs> some common thread well i i don't have like a theme like that i just have uh, my team name's called the tidy little nippers i just love that golf saying the tidy little nippers the little nips you know you gotta hit that little crisp little chip shot from 27 yards out 25 yards out my captain is victor hovland just because who would, why would you not want him as your captain smiley um plays well Everybody wants to play with him. On my squad with Victor Hovland is two Americans that one of them is a younger guy, uh, also very good personality. So Sahith Thagala would be one of my my teammates. I should say I'm not even I'm just the GM, so I'm I'm not on the team. I'm just making the team. Keith Mitchell would be another one. Cashmere Keith, I think, you know, he'd bring the style to your squad. He'd bring kind of the swagger. Um, you know, I think like one day I want everybody to have a comb over. You know what I mean? Like just everybody's got no hat, just an elite comb over. Victor's got great hair. Sahith's got great hair. Keith's got great hair. And then my fourth, Sanjay. Oh, wow. Sanjay. I, just, I feel like Sanjay's like, he plays so much golf that, you know, he doesn't get impacted by, you know, he, he would love to show up to all 14 events. He'd always be there. He'd probably want to play more than 14 events. So he's used to playing a lot. Um, and I just needed a little bit of uh, international flavor because we need, we need uh, to bring in the money. We need to bring in the viewers and we need to, we need to get that Asian demographic. I'm thinking long-term here. You're thinking, yeah, well, you're thinking big money. If you want viewers, there's only one place you need to go to. And and you guys missed the boat so much on this. Quit recruiting from the tour they've all recruited from, right? Let's go find new blood, and you're going to find it where? Where you can follow this podcast. On YouTube, right? We put Grant Horvath, we put Micah Morris, we put Rick Shields, and we put a long driver, um, what's his name, Kyle Berkshire on a team. And they call you call him the, uh, the totally tubular team. But they're there for the views, and they get mic'd up the entire round. And it's a bit of a, a common man golf that we can actually see, is live golf real? Or is it just, as Mike would, would say, the shabby, poor golf experience with no competition that that he thinks it is? Well, those guys would get dead last every single time. They'd be worse than the Ironheads, who get last every time. The How... Ironheads are the worst team ever. Would you not be entertained? Maybe give them a different format. They can do uh, they can do a best ball between the two, and watching Kyle Berkshire absolutely bomb at 400 yards at every course he plays would be so much fun. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you might bring viewers. They can't get any worse. I believe their last <laughs> their, their last event at Jeddah 
had 152,000 on a weekend. That was it. That's all that watched it in primetime. They taped delayed it to primetime. It's so bad. But I got one more team for you here. This one's got Tommy Ganey. Oh, no, you took my... Oh, Aaron, 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 Aaron Rye. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, but then we go Lucas Glover and Jonathan Bird. So we got two, we, we got two, two gloves, guys, no that gloves? two gloves, two gloves. We're going to call it, you can maybe get a little Trojan sponsorship or something. We're going to call it prepare or go bear. <laughs> that's that's going to be that. That's going to be the other squad I got going on here. The contrasting styles. I, I have one last team and I thought you were going somewhere else with your team. Hmm. Tommy you Ganey named, you can go a lot of directions with. You, yeah, you named, you named Ganey right away. And I went, oh, no, there is my prison break team right we're break 80 they're the prison break team and of course who's leading it and hell cabrera yeah and hell tommy ganey tommy ganey john daly tiger tiger spent a night in jail let's throw tiger on there i i'm i'm in between tiger or um uh nota begay did, so, did nota begay go to jail yeah what? yeah for what he seems harmless what did uh, go to jail for? He uh, January two thousand. He was arrested for the second time on DUI. Oh, uh, oh failed okay. a sobriety test. So, Noda, a huge fan of driving. He loves his car keys. Won't give them up. Um, I got one for you too that you need to add. You you got to take one of these guys off. Have you? Well, heard- we can't take Tommy off or we- Anhel. Anhel's the old, ultimate criminal. Yeah. You guys, Robert Allenby. Don't you remember that story? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, he what happened? He like missed the John Deere, missed the cut of the John Deere Classic, and then somehow he wound up getting arrested and booked for criminal trespassing or something. So he wound up in the wee hours of the, of the like, morning, arrested like and booked. I got it right here, booked for disorderly conduct and criminal trespassing. This Short in time in jail. Yeah, uh, this is yeah Rock Island, <laughs> the the casino in Rock Island. Um, this infamous casino. Tiger was there. That, he was on the Iowa side, but the casinos in the Quad Cities are, are no joke, gentlemen. <laughs> oh, so we got, oh, we got, we got he, possible live future teams. It says he, he claimed he had been drugged, beaten, and robbed. Well, that yeah, it is Rock he, Island, Illinois. Where he was all like beat up on the face yeah. and shit. Yeah. The story was he got beat up, but then it all came out to be completely false. <laughs> that he like did it himself <laughs> or something. <laughs> Robert oh, Allenby. Geez. It is sad when you go through, like, I was going through the, the list of players in the PGA Tour website. Like, can the PGA Tour fix this? It's there, it, half the guys don't even play in the field, full field events anymore. It's like JJ Henry's and, uh, you know, uh, who else did I see on there? Ricky Barnes, who plays like three, four times a year. It's just get them off of there. They're, they're not even regular tour players. What a bunch of bullshit. There's like I love 400... that the stock photos are the same, though. Like There's the same stock photos. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So yeah, I don't know. Live is uh I don't know what's gonna happen with Liv. Like, did you see they still have got nothing figured out with the PIF at all? And I saw this week that on the news that, that the PGA tour turned down like a billion dollars from that one company in the United States here, you know, that was gonna help fund it or whatever. So uh, who knows what's going on there? We could have nothing. Maybe Liv will just live on forever as his own thing. I don't know. But anyway, um, all right. So this week I, I wrote an article for a newsletter basically titled, I titled it um, Golf 
that America is broken, cannot be saved. And mainly because the big news, I guess it was last week, we didn't do a pod. The big news last week was TPC Sawgrass raised their rate, their peak rate to $900. And the internet blew up. Uh, you know, social media was ablaze with how is this golf course, you know, $900. And everybody was, you know, complaining about the green fees there. So I wrote this article. I did a little research on some other courses and how, uh, you know, some of these are ripoff. $900 for Sawgrass is a complete joke. Absolute joke. There's no justification for it whatsoever. Tim's going to disagree somehow. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure why. Because we all know that true golfers don't give a shit about amenities. Nobody does. People just want to play golf. Um, Shadow Creek, $1,250. They raised theirs. Tim and I have played Shadow Creek. It is not worth $1,250. It was it was worth what we paid. We paid zero. Yeah, so that was nice. Free <laughs> <laughs> golf is good golf. Um, but think about this, guys. For what you would pay, peak peak time to play Shadow Creek, you could play peak cost. The old course, Carnoustie, North Berwick, and Royal Dornick. You could play four of the top 30 golf courses in the world at peak rates. Uh, actually three and three of those are like, well, two of them are top 10 for sure. Three top twenties. And I think North Berwick's like number 30 um, for the same price as shadow Creek, which is insane to think about. Shadow Creek is not in the world top hundred. It's not even close. It's like, it's in the back 50 of the U S top hundred uh, Sawgrass, not in the world top hundred, not even close to sniffing the world top hundred. Cause it's not a very good golf course. Um, it just, Unbelievable what they charge. It's insane. Complete insanity. So the rebuttal, I came back and said to me, what one of these articles says, well, what if you don't like Lynx Golf? Sure. Well, there's other options that are non-Lynx that are better deals. Bethpage Black is probably the best deal out there. Bethpage Black, even for non-residents, peak time is 160 bucks if you can get a tee time on there. And Bethpage Black is a better golf course than TPC Sawgrass. See, and it's that's what you just alluded to, that it, the the tee time availability. Because when you saw that photo come out that said TPC Sawgrass, $900, what were the tee times for? Do you remember? There well, were sure two. You get a tee time because who the hell wants to pay $900? No, play no, that no, golf no. Course? They, were, they were two singles available. That was it. Those tee times are bought and purchased. Well, of course they're so, yes. You can you can whine and moan, but the market sets the price. And if the tee times are full at nine hundred dollars, that is justification to continue to raise them oh, oh, because I the agree. course is packed. packed. I agree with you one hundred percent. I agree, and that's why. And that's kind of how I started my article off. I was like, that's the main reason because people are willing to pay it. Um, I think a part of it is a lot of those have to be like business rounds, where people are writing those rounds off because no golfer in their right mind that knows golf that has been around and played. If you're going to play Sawgrass, you're, you've been around probably you've played some golf, you know, a lot of people doesn't think that $900 is a joke. And you know, obviously if people have a ton of money, you know, if you're a multimillionaire, 900 bucks ain't shit to you. But if you've played enough golf and you know, your golf and, and you know, that golf course, there's no way that you don't think it's a ripoff. It's not possible. It's just insane. Like think about like you could play, some of the ones around here, we played Whistling Straits, you know, whatever. And also, I think a little overpriced, but you could play it twice for what you're paying a peak rate of Sawgrass, basically, which is crazy. Yep. Yeah. A French Lick Die, if you're 
prompt about booking it correctly, you can actually do a replay and get it for right around 400 after tax and play two rounds. Um, um, my argument was going to be, you mentioned some things overseas. There is considerable more amount more time to get over there. The the flight is a lot more expensive. The overhead is going to be more. The to flight go there. is not that much more expensive. It That's true because it's Jacksonville. And it's difficult to fly in and out of. It's a dead-end airport, and there's not that much other good golf. Hell, they're losing the uh, um, the Hall of Fame. There's going to be nothing in Jacksonville but that course. And I, I wonder... Strip malls. Well, uh, yeah, they got to see the sights. I wonder if it doesn't start to come down with the exit of the World Golf Hall of Fame and a little bit less notoriety with no new courses really being built. That being said, it, it's still the the mecca for the PGA Tour. The headquarters is still there. And what I've heard of that, that course, knowing people that play it, it is as well manicured as what we encountered. Oh, for sure. I mean, well, I would hope so for $900. Uh, that's true. I would, I would hope so. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I, really, I mean, realistically, flying to like scotland or you know you'd probably i guess the cheapest flight's usually dublin and you puddle jump over um is not that much more you're talking a few hundred dollars difference than flying to like a jacksonville or somewhere because it's not an accessible airport um but i guess you're right it's it's pure economics people are willing to pay for it um but at some point and granted, I know the economy is, is is booming still, depending on who you talk to, I guess. But, you know, people are making money. I mean, there, people are making more money than they've ever made, especially in the upper levels of stuff. Um, and that's just fact, you know, especially ones that are, uh, you know, like your CEOs and COOs and all those people. They're making tons of money. Those are the people that are that are going to, you know, sawgrass. There's, it's just not some random middle class people that are willing to fork out $900. But... Um, the other the other thing, so basically what it comes down to for a lot of the American courses is compared to like let's say Scotland, where the prices are way cheaper. Like like this is crazy. Um TPC Scottsdale, not a good golf course. If it did not have a if it did not have a PGA tour stop, you've played it, Tim. It's a very average golf course, correct? I have not I, played yeah, it. Yeah, the front nine, the front nine is nothing you could you could Walk through the front nine, skip every hole except maybe number nine, and and not miss a, a beat, the not miss peak, a darn thing. Yeah, the peak green fee right now at TPC Scottsdale is five hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. It does not make the top hundred in America. It might not make the top two hundred. I didn't check. It is nowhere in the top hundred. You can play. You can buy a week pass at Macrihanish in Scotland. For an unlimited play for a week, it is at the 97th ranked golf course in the world. It is the top 100 in the world. It is $666 US. To play for an entire week, as much golf as you want. That is insane when you compare the prices. Now, I know Jeff said some people don't like Lynx Golf. I think part of that is, um, and that leads to some of the price, the differences in, in, in price too, I think. Americans want this soft golf course that's just overwatered, over fertilized that costs the golf courses money. They, you know, they cost them a lot of money. They have a lot of overhead for maintenance. Whereas in Scotland or Ireland, they, you know, they don't, they play it. You play it. It's dry. It doesn't look pretty. Uh, you know, sometimes it's really Brown. Um, the golf courses don't have amenities. 
You know, they don't, the people don't care about that. They're about the golf over there. They don't give a shit about, does it have a fancy shower or something? Um, a lot of the great golf courses there don't even have a driving range. Some don't, some don't even have a driving range. People just show up to play golf. And so I, the cost of doing everything over there is so much cheaper for the golf courses that it keeps the cost down. We're here. It's everything's got to be so lush. And, and the reason Americans don't like that kind of golf, I think, is because A, it doesn't look pretty sometimes. And B, we like here in the United States a predictable round of golf. If you hit a shot here and you hit a shot that should be good, it should end up good. Whereas at Lynx Golf isn't fair. And the, and the, those people embrace that. They they understand that you can hit a good shot and it might take a funny bounce and it, and it ends up shitty. That's golf. And just like life, it isn't fair. And I think Americans don't embrace those things, which is why part of the reason why the price is never going to probably come down because they don't want to see a course that is brown and whatever. I think you're a little too into the weeds right now. I, I, you're missing this new demographic of of guys that are our age, but just picked up the game in 2020 that that are finally finding these economic means and the swing to justify their first, second, third buddy's trip somewhere that can't be a week and a half long to Scotland, but it can be three, four days. And they have this an idea of what a bucket list golf course is or what they've seen on TV or what they've seen on Instagram on flyovers. And it's it's the beauty of the course. It's the idea of the guy's golf getaway and justifying that single round for maybe it's not 900. I think I think TPC Scottsdale is a better example. Maybe it's 550 bucks for a golf course that doesn't deserve the price because it, it really, I'll doesn't agree, it doesn't. But when in Scottsdale, when getting away from the winter, when that is your your first or second trip, you want to do something big and you're going to justify that one large item and then you're going to surround it with with cheaper golf. And I there, think, but, but if you're in Scottsdale, there hardly is any cheaper golf. You look at the prices, peak season there, they're all two, three hundred dollars. Every like talking stick is like two something. Yeah, that's not it, it. Talking stick is one of the more expensive ones. There's there's Ak Chen. There's there's you know there's a couple other painted woods. There's areas of Phoenix Scottsdale Dinosaur Mountain was under two for two rounds. There's I'm places talk, you I'm can go. Peak, peak prices here. That well, is I, that's peak. I, I don't know. That is peak. peak. Yep, that's I did, January. Picopal was three something. They're all crazy um, for the kind of course you're getting. You're not getting. And I wasn't my so my the article wasn't about like take this trip over that trip. I was just simply comparing a place of the world with a ton of great golf courses and how much cheaper the cost is. Like you think about it in America, there are in the top hundred overall 31 courses that are public to some extent. And I guess I kind of went with more, not so much the unaffordable thing, the accessibility. A lot of them aren't that accessible, even as public courses, you can never get a tee time. Um, you know, they're like abandoned dunes, which you have to go and be there for, you know, a bunch of days because you're kind of stuck there. Um, and, and the other 70, um, actually, no, it's, I think it's more like 85, 15. I think 85 are like private, uh, the top 100 overall. Mm-hmm. You can't like, obviously you can get on them. We've been lucky enough to get on some private clubs and you can do it, but it's not easy. Whereas if you look at the Scottish system, uh, and some of this has to do with taxes, how they're taxed, you know, whatever they open it to the public. Uh, Mirfield, one of their more exclusive clubs where you got to wear like a blazer to get in the clubhouse, you know, and stuff. It used to be an all men's club. Um, you know, one of the most exclusive clubs over there on Tuesdays and Thursdays still has public play. You can get on, you know, with the right preparation and planning 
And they have like thousands of rounds a year of just public play on Muirfield, even though it's a private club with private members. Uh, they just see golf different over there as something to be like for everybody where here it's more of an exclusive, you know, you should aspire to be at this club, you know, kind of real pompous bullshit kind of. Um, I think, I think we still do the every man golf better though, because well, you look we, have, at a, we have, we have a shitload of golf courses that are cheap. You look, you look at a state like Indiana, Michigan here in Minnesota, for instance, and you can find terrific public golf for under $40 oh, Heck, sure. in Indiana. There was, there was Pete Dye courses available for under 35 on a twilight. Um, there are, there are more learning opportunities here as far as driving ranges, top golf, the, the accessibility of low end public golf, I think in the U S is, is better than anywhere. We in have the world. a ton, but even that is not that low. Those have all, they've all jacked their prices up too. You know, look at the, look at the, the Metro area here. If in Minneapolis, if we, we do PCC and things like that, if you were to go to, I don't know throw out whatever like wild marsh probably jeff if we didn't have pcc what's a green fee cost at wild marsh on a weekend peak rate 40 50 bucks now 50 60 what are you talking walking or riding i don't know whatever whatever the green fee post in the 70s 70 dollars yep. so i mean that's I, what i'm saying is we're, like that. we're not the best indicator i think minneapolis is is becoming a little bit more overpriced but you go down to indiana you go down to to areas in michigan and you're still you're paying forty dollars with a cart for eighteen holes during peak season. On again, it's not it's not TPC Sawgrass. It's not going to be immaculate. No, but which is fine. It doesn't need to be. Um, in it, the the vast quantity and just the the amount of humans in the U.S. The amount of humans that are playing golf in the U.S. is just astronomical right now. It is, but I wonder if I wonder if just to do our comparison with Scotland here, if per capita it's really any different. There's a lot of people that golf over there too. And they have a ton of lower level golf courses also that are like, like I just looked up Ashkernish, which is a old Tom Morris golf course um, that they've kind of rehabbed and redone. It's a pretty sweet track. I just looking this up today to be a member at Ashkernish, uh, which their golf season, by the way, is almost all year long over there because there is, you know, on, on the sea. If you are a local, a full membership, uh, which they actually have a driving range is let's see us would be uh they $350 for the year if you play a classic old tom morris track uh you know like that's insane it's if, so... if you're a, if you're a student in in st Andrews, at least when i was there in 2016 if you were a college student you can play all seven courses for like 200 and some pounds, like $300. This was again, seven years ago. It's probably went up some, but this is, the, this is when we start making fake IDs. I, I want, there's two IDs I want. I want one as a St. Andrew student. I want one that shows me as a 28 year old, I'll dye my hair just so I can get a, a, a super young executive membership at a country club of my choosing at a cheap cost. Um, but Inver, Inverwood, for instance, Mike, 150 bucks, 150 bucks for, if you walk, um, a, a green card so unlimited not that green card uh one that gets you free tea times but uh, a fairly That's nice a, you're local buying a block here. of you're buying like 10 tea times then or something mm-hmm. nope. it's unlimited for 150 unlimited. That's a good price. i mean yeah. there are some out there i'm just saying i'm using the the upper tier is 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 ahead of itself a little my, bit and my 
argument was if you are some and kind of the gist of this article was if you are somebody that's looking to you know you're like say you're into architecture or whatever and you want to play the great golf courses of america the accessibility either because of price or or getting on a private club is almost impossible it is crazy crazy compared to the rest of the world at least like the not the rest of the world but like ireland scotland some of these places where they they embrace more public play and they you know what i think to i think to an extent you know we just played minicata there are members at private clubs who really want to show off their club and they're and they embrace having guests out there and they're very proud of their clubs but that's sometimes few and far between and it's like almost impossible to get on some of these places um, that's that's what shocks me so i just finished up tom coin's golf course of america um he describes it especially the private club scene because again i, I agree so many of the top 100s are are closed off for access some very much in particular but he said there's just something special about those gates opening about how exclusive it is about how difficult it was to get on yeah, for sure. Um, because it it adds it adds a special meaning uh, to the course. Um, yes, Scotland for us for us Americans would feel special because it's not something you can do every month. Um, it's a pilgrimage, but uh, even here in the U.S., there's certainly something special. And then obviously, every time I'm on that first tee of somewhere special, I, I just put out the the last or the first drive from French Lake Pete Dye, and I just blasted it dead right into the weeds. So can always count on a terrible first tee ball anywhere that's special yeah i mean just that like our trip to chicago is a perfect example of this we called or emailed literally literally almost every private club in that damn city well chicago's trash just and we could get on not and we could get on none of them we no not even a sniff on getting on some and we didn't even bother to call like chicago golf club though you know the really impossible ones so it's actually quite amazing to me that the lack of access uh, sometimes here, but anyway, I bet th- I bet they laughed as they returned our emails. They probably did. I'm more than likely. <laughs> um, all right, so we got a few spooky things to talk about here for Halloween. Tim's got some haunted golf courses, but we got to talk about the spookiest thing. Is the Vikes Jeff just got rolling? We're just about ready to ru- tear off this, you know, win streak, and then there goes the Achilles on Kirk. So, <laughs> what are you, what are we making of this? We got to talk a little football here. Yeah, I, I want to start by saying Kirk Cousins, for those that have been watching in the last few years, uh, he was, in my opinion, playing the best football that he's ever played. I, I can't be- I mean, he used to get kind of the in-the-pocket, like happy feet, kind of just dock panic, you know, eat tons of sacks, would put his head down immediately if somebody kind of prepped. He, his head was up the entire time. He had his reads down. I mean, the guy was throwing absolute darts. And it sucks because, you know, we got offensive weapons. I mean, our running game sucks, but Jordan Addison, um, yeah, you know, we got weapons Jefferson, everywhere. Uh, Hawkinson. I mean, we got we, like offensively. And then the fact that the defense started to kind of find themselves, they've started to kind of figure out who they are. That happens. It's like, okay, now if you're the GM, in my opinion, I kind of have an idea what I would do, but if you're the GM, you have one or two options, right? You can go and, you know, you're, you're back to four and four. I can see the Lions are probably going to win tonight, so they'll be, what, six and two? Mm-hmm. You play them two of the last three games of the year. So, yeah, you, you still have potentially, a, you know, you, you can basically count out the Bears and count out the Packers, right? Oh, 
Yeah, they're both terrible. The Packers are are uh, terrible, uh, terrible uh, football team. <laughs> yeah. so, Love uh, is really bad. You you find them in a spot where you either, you know, I don't I don't I don't know if Jaron Hall is the answer. So I think you either try to look at you know, trading for kind of a more of a journeyman guy like a Jacoby Brissett or like a, you know, somebody that can come in and win some games, but obviously probably's not going to be anywhere near Kirk Cousins level. And do you have the defense to do that? Or at this point, you throw out the young kid, develop some guys, take some L's, and, you know, by the end of the year, hopefully have a decent pick. I don't, yeah. I, they're put in a really bad situation. You know, it's a t- the timing of it was terrible because um, Mull- or Mullins, you know, who would normally be the backup that has started some games, is hurt still. Uh, Jaron Hall's not ready. Um, he does give you a little elusiveness. I think he can move, you know, around. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'll i piggyback on you. I think Kirk was having like an MVP caliber season. Like un- numbers are off the chart. Um, and I think the other sneaky key is the O-line has been much better. Like they've been, they've the profile focus grades are really high. Um, they've been better, but I, yeah, I think they're put in a tough situation because a lack of a running game, like, Remember when Christian Ponder was quarterback and they could just give it to AP all the time and just run it? You can't do that now because we can't run with a shit. So if you're going to try to win a game, you have to throw a little bit. And I don't know if Jaron Hall can do it. I was actually thinking, I saw that Colt McCoy worked with KOC, you know, in Washington, but he sucks. I could see them maybe trading for like a Jameis Winston, a guy who will, will turn it over a billion times probably. But he can also th- get it downfield and throw the ball, you know, when you have your weapons, when JJ's back and stuff. I don't know. It's a, it's kind of a, it's a weird deal because it really throws a wrench in your offseason plans too, because you got to try to re-sign Jefferson, who is he going to want to play here with Jaron Hall, <laughs> or you know, if you go with Jaron Hall, and you got to, what do you do with Cousins now? I, I, I like to think that he was playing well enough where they probably would have. Tried to resign him for another two years. Then, um, maybe now you get him at a discount. He's he's coming off injury. You know, I don't. You know, it's uh, they're put in a really sticky situation. Um, you know, and it's sad because they got just a bunch of winnable games coming up now. Like a, they had a bunch of ones to run off in a row. Uh, but who knows? It was nice because the Packers are the most arrogant fan base in fo- in pro sports, possibly in all pro Whoa. sports. They are. They are. They've been. How, they've how is it arrogance? They've, because you've had 40 fucking years of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Just pure luck. Pure damn luck. You, you have those two guys. And they think they're so great. And realistically, they were one of the worst teams of the 70s and 80s and early 90s. They were horrible. Horrible franchise. They hadn't, they hadn't done shit since the 60s. They've really won two Super Bowls in the modern era. And they're so arrogant. And now they have. Now the first two games of the year, oh, we got our guy. We got the third coming, Jordan Love. You know, he looked good the first two times. Another Hall of Famer. He's horrible. The guy sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was yelling at the TV. I'm like, why are you? Why are you sliding? You're not valuable enough to slide. Use your body. He is terrible. Why are you sliding? <laughs> you are not valuable enough to slide. Get your body in there. Like the, the fact that that game was ten to three at halftime. It should have been like thirty to three the vikings wow. dinked around scooter they couldn't they, they can never they're terrible can't red zone offense because they can't run in the red zone you gotta be able to run a little bit 
the field is kind of compressed. So they're terrible in the red zone all the time. Um, but the, look at the, the Packers are like, their fan base is just like Jair Alexander, just a bunch of talk, cocky bullshit, and then just getting owned. Like how can Jair Alexander get owned by a rookie and still talk like he was doing a great job out there? Just getting abused by Addison. But yeah, I don't know. We're screwed. We're screwed. The bikes are screwed. There's okay. there's no chance. Yeah, because I think any win that you get at this point going forward is pretty much fool's gold. Because you just know in the long run you're not going to win playoff games. Okay, get lucky, win a playoff. You know, we had the whole like back. I think back to like when we had Case Keenum, right? You had some, you had some younger defensive players. You know, you could you could get, you could rely a little bit more on your defense, and then, you know, Case Keenum just kind of played out of his ass for a year and. You know, offensively hung in there, put up enough points. I just don't think anybody that we could really sign right now could give us the level to where Kirk was playing, not even close. So then what do you do without a run game? You're just kind of, you know, maybe a couple of games, a guy throws for three touchdowns, then one game he can't even get a first down. I just feel like there's a lot. And then they don't know the playbook. They didn't work with each yeah. other. There's no chemistry yet. There's a lot that you can go off. So no, there's I'm kind of in the point where it's like, I, I hate mediocre. So it's either like, all right, let's just bomb out now. Or. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's to me, the, there's not that many guys you can trade for that are gonna like, that's one thing where Winston, Jameis Winston, at least you can throw it downfield. So you wouldn't be able to stack, you know, like, look at, look at Atlanta now next week or whoever we play. We play Atlanta, I think next, right. With Jaron Hall in there. The, do you think they're how many guys are they going to have in the box? They're going to bring the whole defense down there because he, there's no threat of throwing the ball downfield at all. Um, so it makes it so difficult for a run game. You guys that's want Jordan bad. Love? No, for a run game that's already bad. Um, <laughs> it'll be even it'll be even harder now. Uh, which which really kind of sucks that we were so good in October there and won those games. I wish you would have lost them all. Now better off just tanking um, and having a higher pick. So you're right. If we win like another three, four games, we're in the middle of the draft again, which sucks. But anyway, Timmy, take it away with your Halloween. You got some scary stories. We are back onto the theme away from football because, well, there's nothing really scarier than the Vikings and the Packers this season. <laughs> Let's be honest. Or wasting four hours of your day to try to watch either team. But it's Halloween, folks. We're uh, Mike, I'm sure this is coming out on Halloween. So I want to tell a couple of ghost stories of places here near and far. But these are a few of the most haunted uh, golf courses in the U.S. Because I, I figured I'll put in St. Andrews. I'll start with St. Andrews, actually. We'll go overseas for the first one. Fun story. Um, don't know if it's haunted or not. Unconfirmed. But what they do have is a slightly elevated 18th green. The back right corner of 18 is elevated to high hell. And what is it elevated with? Thousands and thousands of dead corpses. I three-putted over those dead corpses. <laughs> There's a reason why. Yep. Back in the plague years of St. Andrews, they stacked and stacked and stacked bodies in an area of town that was kind of on the outskirts closer to the ocean that then would become the old course. And, uh, well, eventually it filled in enough to make the 18th green and well, that's where you put through now. So a bit of a spooky story. Maybe uh, maybe the ghost of old Tom still collaborates with them to make my I don't think any collaborations needed sometimes. Um, probably the most interesting U.S. story is Barthestral. 
the U.S. Open PGA Championship caliber course is actually named for Baltus Rawl, who was brutally murdered by two intruders back in 1831. It used to be an old farm in the area. Um, the wife came back later to find his lifeless body tied up near the grate of their house. And it was of such legend that in, in 1895, with the newly created golf club, they would name it Barthestral after the mixture of his first and last name. So kind of an eerie way of, of a club creation and a name choice. Um, but it said that he's still old, Balti, still haunts the club to this day. Uh, another interesting one, and this is this is local. So after this, we'll hear a little bit more details about Montgomery National from the owner, Greg. But Montgomery National, just about 45 minutes southwest of the cities here, rumored to be haunted by two of the previous owners, again, farmers. For some reason, farmers have a vendetta over their land. They want to hold on. Um, but either the farmers that are there buried off of number one. And have you have you both played Montgomery? Absolutely. I have not. You were... <laughs> No, where the hell would you bury somebody off number one? It's like right in the middle so of the golf course. It is. It is. Well, again, it used to be an old farm. Uh, down the left side of the fairway, I guess about 100, uh, 120, 150 yards, left side of the fairway, there's two tombstones that still sit there for the two previous owners. Really? Huh. Why, so, would, they, why would the ghost be haunting that place? Like, I can see Montgomery National is the kind of course that farmers would embrace. They could play in jeans and flannels, and they'd be just fine with it. Why they're vengeful or non-vengeful, we'll hear two different stories after this from, from the owner about what's okay. transpired there. Um, I don't know. But there was a, a car accident as well in the 1960s that took place by 10, number 10 green, I believe. Um, and it's it's rumored to, to be haunted by multiple spirits. So maybe they love the Beatles, and that's why they've, they've chosen to hang out at the, the theme golf course in honor of them. I'm not sure. Interesting. So love this one, Lincoln Park. So Lincoln Park Golf Course, this is in San Francisco. And I've been advocating this for years. Who visits cemeteries? I don't know. I rarely, rarely, rarely go to pay respects. And at a certain point, no loved ones are around to visit you anymore. We could return them back to golf land. In fact, Lincoln Park Golf Course was built on a cemetery. So Officially, it had been said to be re relocated in 1909. However, the 18th hole is said to be built on top of an unremoved portion of the old Golden Gate Cemetery. That would make this course home to, much like St. Andrews, home to over a thousand corpses. So uh, certainly want to mind your P's and Q's off of the 18th tee box, where it sounds like graves weren't necessarily removed. And the final one, just picking up on the largest names here, Pasa Tiempo. No specific deaths recorded, but in Alistair McKenzie design, and as we were talking about, Royal Melbourne wanted to bring up another one of his courses. Um, his American home was found along the sixth fairway. He spent the last years of his life on the golf course and called this golf course in particular his greatest work. So when he died, his ashes were spread around the course. Um, I'll be headed to the Dominican here in February. 
and Pete Dye's ashes were spread just off of the eighth green at the uh, Teeth of the Dog Casa de Campo course. It's just an abomination of a golf course. They put his they put his freaking ashes. There. So, so Mike, if you want me to pay respects to one of the greatest American golf designers, you can in history for you. I I can do that when um, I die. Otherwise, somebody... I'll summon him and send him to your house. Okay. Well, when I die, somebody when I they burn my ashes, I want I want a, a full blown Big Lebowski. Uh, you know, coffee cup, Folgers coffee can full of ashes, just, just throw them out there into the wind and just ashes flying on everybody's faces and everything. Into any wind. <laughs> my fiance, <laughs> the, my fiance just yelled noted from the other room. She heard that. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's like, this could be coming sooner scenes. rather than later. That's like one of the greatest movie scenes ever when, uh, when the guy died, when the one buddy dies and they got the coffee can out over the ocean. And uh, they got his ashes, you know, and John Goodman is giving this long speech about <laughs> he's, he's like, Donnie died too early. Like so many good men at, at, at Siam, Siam and all these like <laughs> Vietnam war things because he was the Vietnam vet. And then the dude's like, and then he's, he's dumping out the ashes, you know, but of course he's dumping them into the wind. <laughs> so the dude's <laughs> face is just getting sprayed with his ashes. And the dude's like, why is it always about fucking numb, man? <laughs> It's a, just an absolute great scene. <laughs> great scene. But um, I will say this to close this out. And um, I, I saw this on Twitter this week. And it, ma- it makes so much sense. We're talking about ghosts and Halloween and tortured souls. Is there any more tortured soul than a low to maybe mid handicapper? You know, that you've, you, you've tasted the low scores. You know, you've been, you've been there. You've been to even par or better, but on any given day, you you're you could be fighting to break ninety. You know you're <laughs> you're struggling. You so you're like the most tortured golfer of all time. You've seen both sides of the of the of the aisle here, and you're just stuck in you're stuck in like purgatory where you can't consistently you know shoot under par, but but you're always striving to you're trying to because you've tasted that before. And that was, was a, about it was like, you. Were it was a great like tweet somebody had about me. just the most tortured golfers or like low <laughs> handicapped golfers <laughs> that aren't pros. So like you know, like, that like, about like, you or me? Like like you're one to five handicappers who can like shoot even par, but then at the same time can shoot upper eighties on a shitty day. <laughs> well, it sounds like yeah. my at the end of the year at the end of the year you know we we turned it up timmy talked shit and he yeah. got his ass kicked a bunch seven yeah. seven seven club seven club i came out firing yeah. a couple birdies in the last hole at, I, at my my turf yes i, I went right I, when tim yeah. when tim was a no-show then yeah. you know he's too soft to show up for a noon tea time when it was 60 degrees out uh into the triangle, I went right into the Bermuda Triangle like a man, and and it's came the out Jeff, of the victory. Jeff Muda Triangle. Yep, um, right out of the triangle with a victory. Yeah, I think the, uh, the last. I think we've all had the taste of feeling like you've got golf figured out. You know, everything's working on all cylinders. How the putter's feeling good, getting off the box well. You know, if I miss a green, I feel like I can get up and down, so I can be a little bit more aggressive. And then you get the point where it's like. You have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, you go through those things and it's like I've been there. And I think I think a lot of people when they do get to the point where they can play well, your expectations rise. And then you're like, Well, you know, why 
today does my club not do what it was doing last week? You know, like what, what is going on? And then you start overthinking everything. And that's kind of where I've been at in my life where it's like, I need to start looking at take backs, takeaways, where the club is, is it dropping down the slot? Is it not? Is it, you know, then you get all over the place. And I think this is where my season of golf is going to change going into next year. I've got the book that I that I listened to this year, you know, the Bob Rotella short game. And it puts me in a really good place because it puts back me back into the not overthinking anything, basically going blackout. You know, now I can't really do that in my full swing yet. I haven't got to that point. But with my short game this year, I feel like I did it more often than not. I wasn't overthinking any short game shots. No, every once in a while putting maybe because I just missed a couple of ones I shouldn't have missed. But I feel like I can get up and down in a lot of places. And I think it all comes down to just getting over the ball and visualizing it, blacking out, just letting your body do it. So I have that kind of mm-hmm. in the back of my head. I think that's going to give me momentum going into next year. And I'm going to start with that book every single spring. I'm going to read that book, listen to that book. And um, I think if I can keep playing the short game, I still need to freaking get better at hitting the ball. I don't know why I suck so bad at being consistent. I will, I will second this, Jeff. I will help you reach blackout. I think it takes like three <laughs> cut waters. <laughs> you won't think a darn thing. Uh, well, think about though, like, I feel like the golfers that are trying to break a hundred are in like this melancholy state because if you can hit it a little bit, all you have to do is play enough and you'll break a hundred, you know, as long as you can do, you know, some of the, you know, you can get the ball airborne and you're not just a God awful putter and whatever. If you, if you play enough, you'll break a hundred. And they're not, no, they're, they're not, they're not athletes, Mike. These people well, don't know where their bodies are in space. They well, just maybe not, but like even I don't know how they put a foot in front of the other when they walk. Well, maybe, but like even non-athletes can break a hundred if they play enough. It's just all about playing enough, enough repetition. Then breaking ninety is a little more challenging, but doable. You know, you bogey golf. Once you get bef- below that, then it you know, like when you get down to like low handy, like what you know we're talking about, lower handicaps. There, the it's such a fine line. You know, one shot. You know, you double bogey a hole, you got to make a bunch of birdies to get back to where you think you should be. So you're just frustrated all, all the time if you're not playing well. It's like it's like just a constant frustration, um, you know, because the, 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 the amount of misses you can have to get to the score you think you, sh- you know, should be able to shoot are so much more limited. You can hit a lot of shitty shots and still break 100, you know, as long as you hit some decent shots, too. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's kinda, it was I thought it was a it was a great like tweet. It was so true. Um, but anyway, before we get to Timmy's, uh, interview with Montgomery at the end, what do we got upcoming simulator league at 24 golf? Tim and I are playing for sure. Right. Yeah. Jeff, so you're, if you're here, local, away. uh, if you're here local though, um, it is a come as you can league. I think it's $350 for, for non-members, 150 for members, but it's uh, much like a 24-7 type fitness. You can get a code, come at your leisure, um, and and play in a weekly golf simulator tournament. So I'm not sure if we're going together, but we don't even need to, to it's, uh, you know, try to correlate our times together. We can just go whenever we want. 
Yeah, and it's a big it's a big thing with a bunch of other simulator places too. So it's kind of like a weekly. Is it national or is it just local ones? It's like a big that uh, that I'm something. not sure about, and I just I don't know how that's going to work too because so many of the other sims, uh, the the HD golf and the um, oh goodness, what's the other one? I'm blanking on the brand about golf simulators. I mean, the about golf simulators, the putting on there is just easy as cake. So I don't, I don't know how you go across one of these tournaments when what they have there with GC quad is much more accurate. It's much less forgiving than the about golf. Um, but we'll see a lot of people have switched over to the GC quad to follow suit with 24. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm, I'm, I know that you're terrible at yes. sim golf. I know you're not winning any money. Uh, I, I probably will not be winning. winning any money with the amount of sim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's a good way to escape the drudgery and horribleness. Um, a whole bunch of Swedish and Norwegian people moved here back in, you know, the 1800s. And now we're all stuck in just misery. Yeah. So we got months. that. Um yeah, so get look on Twenty Four Golf's like website, so like that you can get all the specifics of it. I'm sure. Uh, we got we'll have news articles coming out. We got some interviews coming up. We got all kinds of stuff going on. So make sure you subscribe. Kind uh, of an interesting one coming out on Wednesday. Uh, written in a very different format. Trying to write it more like a novel, less like an article about French Lick. A little bit about the history and another place rumored to be haunted by the uh, the previous owner, Thomas Taggart, who roams the halls. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so we got all that. We got that stuff coming up. We got, uh, I don't know, a bunch of things. So subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify. Follow us on all our social media um, and do all that stuff. Jeff, you want to get the tagline on the way out? Yeah, I'll do that. I'm like, you know, I think you guys did a good job of, of uh, my voice load management tonight. So I appreciate that. You guys kind of held the fort down trying it's, to save this thing. It's like the NBA. Those guys are already load managing. They played two games and they're already on load management. What help with that? That's where I'm at. Like I'm just, you know, like I, I know I'll be start being screaming something like, um, uh, what, what would I scream? I would say like, um, box out. You know, fifty thousand times in a game, whatever you want to scream. But like you all know, folks, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, it was good to be back. I uh, hope everybody has a great Halloween week eats lots of candy and then gets back to the classic, go back to the gym for a month before you indulge yourself in Thanksgiving. And then you go back to the gym for a month and you like overeat during Christmas. And then it's new year's and you're like, oh, I'm 20 pounds overweight. Now I got to lose all of it. You go to the gym for two weeks and then we know that you won't stop going. And that's just the cycle of life. Everybody goes through it. Um, but anyways, that's, that's, that's here nor there. Like we always say, the difference between 79 and 80 is everything. Well, Break 80 Group, I'm excited because we're talking locally today, and it's it's a bit of a rarity that we get to do this as the podcast has moved nationally with so many of our, our topics, our stories in covering golf, but it's a special week and it's a special day as it's most likely Halloween if you're listening to this podcast the day it was released. So I figured what's most Halloween uh, other than a good haunting story? And I've got... Greg McCush, owner of Montgomery National, which is a um, a golf course located about 40, 50 minutes southwest 
uh, of the the Twin Cities, um, but rumored to be one of the most haunted golf courses in the nation, in the world. Uh, and and Greg, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. So I know there's a lot of stories out there. Bartha Stroll, really famous for its haunting. One of the the previous owners there, uh, a farmer that um, was was murdered, and and then the actual name of the course came about because of his his mixed family name. Um, but I understand there's a, a bit of a presence there as as well, and and not exactly sure where it's from. Yeah, well, I I think it's from the, the folks that own the the land, the farm. In fact, they're buried. On my first hole, there's a humongous cotton tree. And at the bottom of the tree, there's two tombstones that are actually sticking out of the ground. Uh, with a, uh, they're from the 17, late 1700s. So it's kind of, most people, when they play that hole, they'll go by that. Um, perhaps that's where the haunting started, but uh, I never really believed any of it. I've owned the golf course for six seasons in the first couple seasons. I didn't really see anything. I hoped to make some stuff up as a marketing ploy, but I couldn't come up with anything very good. Um, so, but there's a lot of lore on YouTube about Montgomery National. There's a book of Minnesota that's got Montgomery National Golf Club in there uh, about us being haunted. And we're actually the top 10 most haunted golf courses in North America. And that's, if you Google that, that's kind of interesting. You know, it's 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 really interesting because I've played the course a number of times and I've missed these these tombstones. Are they fairly large or, or where do they sit off of number one T so I can uh, hopefully uh, pay my respects yes. next time? <laughs> um, that cotton tree is about 150 yards out on the left side and the tombstones are on the left side of that tree. OK, they're, okay. They're, they're big and protruding and the tombstone is big piece of granite that's in perfect shape. I mean, you can see it, the name of the folks with a Burry, uh, the Burry Farm, Burry, I think they called it, and it says from Switzerland on it. And I've also been told that they think that there's many other tombstones on this land. Uh, there's also a young man from uh, 1960 uh, was killed in a car crash that's on my 10th tee. Uh, so we... <laughs> We've got several folks out here. You know, it's it's almost a shame. Uh, it's a bit cold here in Minnesota now, and I'm not sure. Have you closed for the season? I, I'm closed until uh, Wednesday when it gets back up to the 40s. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking there's got to be some sort of haunted scramble available at Montgomery <laughs> National. Yeah, good. I like so that. It, it, it's six years in. Um, any stories yourself that that you've had encounters with, or or any secondhand stories that you've heard uh, coming from the um, course? Obviously, the the spirits seem to flock to to Montgomery. It seems like. Yeah, a lot of people who have worked here in the past would say they've seen, like somebody in a window, or oftentimes if you go downstairs in this old clubhouse, we're now building a new clubhouse, but you will hear crazy noises. But that didn't really tell me enough uh, that, that it was haunted, but um, a lot of people feel like it is. When I've said on Facebook that it's haunted and blah, 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 people from the past, uh, past pros, uh, know that I'm using it as marketing ploy and will say, no, it's not, you know, <laughs> thinking that I, I'm trying to get business from them perhaps. 
But uh, I've had two things happen to me um, that are chilling to me, um, if you're interested. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so in the COVID year, so that would have been my third year here, um, I often sleep here and get up and throw some breakfast in the microwave and take it out. And it was about 5.30 in the morning and took my meal out. And when I came back, and it's only me here, there was a jacket smushed into my meal. So a jacket was smushed in. When I got there, I looked up like, did that fall from? It totally gives me chills telling this story. <laughs> Sounds, <laughs> you can't make it up. So smushed in, into my meal, I think it was a, a jacket that was from the lost and found. And I took it out and thought, what the, you know, it couldn't explain it. Um, Interesting. <laughs> so I, I figure I have one bad, somebody's a mean ghost. And then this other one is a nice story uh, of a ghost. And again, in the COVID year, we couldn't go in the building. So I had a big jar outside that said 40 bucks and nobody was touching anything. So people would put their 40 bucks in the jar to go play. And one of the 20s, and I was behind the bar that I've got outside. One of the 20s fell behind the bar. The wind blew it. And it was kind of oscillating behind the bar. And I knew it was there. And I would eventually go get it. But super busy day. And people in line putting their 40 bucks in. And one guy came up. And that $20 bill that was oscillating behind went straight up and went into the jar. <laughs> well, at least one of the ghosts is paying their dues. And yeah. The other one seems to be uh, not, a, not a big fan of breakfast. Yeah, no, I, I think it might be the, the ghost of John Lennon uh, that was mad at me because I'm more of a McCartney fan. So, um, <laughs> but when I say these things, I'm like, I swear on my kids I, that I, it did, did happen. So, and I always feel like I know that it did because it always is chilling to me when I say it again. So, but those are the only two things that have happened to me. Now, I know you're building a new clubhouse over there. I believe it's going to be log cabin themed. If I, if I remember correctly, I saw some of the construction. Yes. Yep. It's a big log building, 11,000 square feet kind of uh, clubhouse event center. We'll be able to do weddings um, and events in it. So we're, we're getting real close. We just got carpet in and putting bar tops. And I haven't Excellent. seen any any ghosts yet but i hope to that's what i was going to ask are the ghosts transferable because <laughs> I, I can't imagine was the is the current clubhouse now is it the old farmhouse that was was there and and maybe the the tenants haven't left or um was that a, a new structure or a new ish structure this was built in 1970 so it's a newish structure okay okay but, so but just out my back door in my new clubhouse is that uh, 1960s, uh, a 1960 plaque or, or tombstone. So maybe he'll sneak his way in and, and have some fun with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's rare that you have your fingers crossed for, for a haunting, and I wish your breakfast the best, but it seems like the one ghost is quite friendly. Um, anything else that the listeners should know about Montgomery National? I know that we've got a lot of folks here in, in Minnesota listening. Yeah, no, we're we're getting a little bit of press. If anybody's interested, put, put golf 
in Beatles in a in a Google search, you'll see a big story, and it'll tell a little bit of the story about the hauntings as well. Um, I'm pretty much in every country. I just got a, a magazine somebody sent me from the UK, and I it says on the front cover, the world's weirdest golf course is Britain's number one golf magazine. And when you open it up, they've done a story on me and my shenanigans, and they called it Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Pars Club, uh, which is probably what I'm going to call my bar now. So I love that. So I think Ringo and Paul have heard about it because it's all over the world. I love that. Well, Greg, thank you again for for coming on. A pleasure speaking to you, learning a little bit more about the uh, the haunting encounters there at Montgomery National. And again, folks, if you you have the chance, it sounds like possibly reopening on on Wednesday for hopefully a, a decent amount of time before any real snow accumulation comes here in Minnesota, um, but certainly going to be open next year. And it sounds like with a new clubhouse um, on the way. Well, thank you so much. Happy Halloween. All right. Thank you, Greg. Yeah. Bye-bye. Maybe today's the day I brigade you. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold dream. Yeah, you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80.